hash mark angle to the left for Adams and Terry. 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! It's good! It's good! Out in the ninth inning, here on the banks of the Mississippi River, the Red Sox need one more out. Swing a ground ball. Episode 32 of the Loudest Sports Show, brought to you by the Dorkening Network and sponsored by Deadly Grounds Coffee. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And I am here, of course, with my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. It is Slashes the Ice Queen. Oh, hey. I almost got it wrong because we haven't done this in a couple of weeks. Because uh, I've been I've been battling All an infection. All out of practice. Yeah, I've been battling a nasty infection, and it's... Uh, it's still not 100%, but it's a lot better than it was, so uh, we're able to do the show now. Because I had a... Hooray! Had a terrible fever, almost 103 at, at a couple of points. And we were all out of cowbell. Yeah, like that was the biggest thing. Like, we got some more cowbell, uh, so now my fever is all set. So... So today, uh, we're going to be catching you up on, you know... A whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, not every single thing that's happened over the past three weeks... You know, we're going to concentrate on what's been going on the last, you know, week or so. But uh, we will touch on a few things that, you know, major, major things that happened. And, of course, get you caught up on everything that's, that's been going on in the world of sports, including a, uh, a pretty awesome thing that happened earlier today in uh, Major League Baseball that I thought was pretty cool. So we're going to obviously start off with our opening face-off question. So the opening face-off question, because... Uh, you know, things. Uh, this came up around the trade trade deadline, and uh, it's it's been pretty relevant. But what is the most impactful in season trade that your team has made? Whether it you know be getting rid of somebody, bringing somebody in. Um, slashes. Do you have something? Because I have a couple of things that I can I can bring in like right now. Well, I mean, I have one right off the bat, and if things continue to progress the way that they have, I think Taylor Hall is going to be one of the best trades the Boston Bruins have ever made. Well, not just Taylor Hall, because Curtis Lazar came over with him, and Mike Riley. Yes. Mike Riley's been a fucking force, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. Um, so I think that's a really good one. But I mean Taylor Hall. There's something about the uh, and we'll we'll talk a little more about this when we get into our Bruin section. What's Bruin? But uh, Taylor Hall has not only kind of reignited his own career, mm-hmm. but the chemistry that he has with the teammates on his line. It's almost like it's it's he's 
reinvigorated their careers as well. I'm looking at you, David Krejci. Yeah, because he and Krejci had very similar stat lines go- going into the trade deadline. And since then, like I think they're averaging, I know Krejci's averaging over a point a game. It's it's absolutely ridiculous in the best way possible. So, I mean, right off the bat, Taylor Hall. Krejci's playing like 2011 Krejci. Like, he's playing like he's 10 years younger. It's awesome. Uh, but I'm going to go with 2004, the Boston Red Sox. Um, no, was it 04? Yeah, 2004, the Boston Red Sox traded Nomar Garcia Para, who had been a mainstay in that infield and, you know, just a fan favorite, but they got rid of him. Uh, they made a whole bunch of trades. They brought in Mike Timlin. They brought in uh, uh, Embry. They brought in Doug Mankiewicz, Pokey Reese. Uh, it was, I mean, it's a, a that was a period over two years that they did all this. Uh, Bill Miller, Kevin Millar, Johnny Damon, bringing in all these teams. Uh, I mean, all these all these players via trades and free agency. Uh, leading to the, um, you know, the first World Series that the Red Sox had seen in 86 years. Um, I think that's an impactful trade. Uh, and as much as I hated it at the time, getting rid of uh, both Blake Wheeler and Michael Ryder and bringing in Rich Peverly, Chris Kelly, and all those guys. That Yeah, that was actually next on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Getting rid of Blake Wheeler, who went on to and is still having a he's still an offensive great NHL career. Oh, I think it's one of the stupidest things the the Bruins has have ever done. But it got him a championship that year. Yes, it did. It did. It it paid immediate dividends. Um, but you know they paid for it but for like, years. Yeah, in in the long run, though. Yes, I mean they they went on to win the cup that year in 2011 but you know (laughs) they struggled for a while after that i mean i know that they've been you know playoff contenders pretty much every year for the past 10 years uh or more than that but um you know blake wheeler could have been something on the bruins i yeah and he i think he's captain of winnipeg right now um but he ended up um you know even the next year like the the Bruins still didn't quite pay for it because even in 2012, like they had, I think six guys that scored at least 20 goals. Uh, they had a few guys who scored 30. Uh, I think it was, uh, let's see, Riley Smith, Chris Kelly, Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, and I think even Lucic scored 20 goals. Uh, they had a whole bunch of guys. Like their offense was just phenomenal, and their defense was excellent. But, you know, uh, Sagan as well. Sagan was on that list. Sagan had a ton of goals that year, too. They just, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, overcome uh, Claude Julian. So, I mean, it was an impactful trade that definitely helped them. Um, well, it helped them in the, in short, the short term, term yeah. but definitely was a detriment to them in the long term. I think if they had hung on to Blake Wheeler... Um, like, I mean, again, that guy was so good. But they, at the time, didn't value offense. They valued defense. Mm-hmm. And because that was Julian's style. Julian wanted to win game 0-0. That's how right. he wanted to play. Right. He wanted to win game. Like, I mean, how often did he 
bench or or downplay um you know Tyler Sagan or Brad Marchand. I mean Marchand or at the I mean, time he, was a was a pest. He wasn't the offensive player that he is now. Um Julian was also really hesitant to bring up some of these younger players from Providence. Yeah, and he also just wanted to Line one, line two, line three, line four. Line one, line two, line three, line four. Like he he didn't make any in-game adjustments. It's like okay, we need some, we need a goal, and our top line is doing well. Too bad it's not their turn to play. Line three, line four. Okay, now line. Well, oh, not we only that, game. and this is a conversation that you and I were having in the car yesterday while listening to the game. Um, Julian would use lines as punishment. Yes. So, you know, if you were the star player, you were on the top line. If your game was slipping, he'd move you to the second line, then to the third line, then to the fourth line. So it's like, you know, you were it was a demotion of sorts. Whereas now, you know, each line, it, it's not a it's not a competition. No. It's not a it's not a hierarchy for the most part. Each line holds its own, especially now with the uh, uh, acquirement of Taylor Hall acquisition. Acquisition that's a good word too. <laughs> um, you know, getting Taylor Hall, putting him on that second line, giving Krejci someone who's solid to play off of. Krejci has you know, been looking for that right wing. For the long, it's been a while. For the yeah, since, for at least the past few seasons, you know, he's been looking for somebody that he can uh, he since, can rely on. I, I I would say since Lucic and Horton were in their prime, uh, maybe even a Ginla, because he had a Ginla and Lucic for a while, and a Ginla was good because uh, they had gotten they had gotten rid of uh, they tried Louis Erickson, they tried Carl Soderberg. Um, really, the only consistency that we've seen in the past decade, Marshan Bergeron. I mean, like they've had they've had Yager, they've had Recky, they've had uh, mm. you know um, Sagan, they've had a whole bunch of different guys up on that top line, and you know the two of them obviously are just like that's that's the epitome of of team chemistry in hockey. Like those two guys, they're just it's unbelievable. It's almost you know psychic their connection that they have. Mm. But, you know, and one of the things that I love about the coaching staff that we have now is the fact that moving guys from line to line, that's not a punishment. That's a, hey, these guys have been working out together. They've been playing really well off of each other in practice. Let's put them together. Or, you know, our current line situation isn't working for us. We lost a couple of games. Let's shake it up a bit and see what we can do. Or even so, in-game. Yeah, we were talking about uh, <clears throat> yesterday as well, where they had that one game. I think it was against probably the Islanders or the Devils earlier in the season, where they were struggling to manufacture any goals, and they kept Marchand and Bergeron together. But they had all kinds of different wing: DeBrusque, uh, Coyle, Smith. Fucking Krejci was up with them at right. one point. But again, like it's not used as, as a as a punishment. If a guy isn't playing well, what happens is he's he, he's a healthy scratch for a game or two. He gets benched. He gets less ice time. We've seen it with Bjork. That, We've seen it with DeBrusque. Yes, you know, um, you know, as a as a like, hey, you're you're in time out for right now until you get you know you work through whatever situation you need to work through. You know, do that in practice and show us that you. A want to be here, and you know improve your game. And it worked because they had uh, you know Bjork was on that uh, the second line for a bit, and then he got his playing time slowly decreased. 
And Cassidy even came out and is like, you know, this is pretty much his last shot. Like, he's either going to play better or he's not going to play. And Bjork responded by playing the best hockey of his Bruins tenure, at mm-hmm. least this season, which was great because that's how they were able to get Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar without giving up a first-round pick. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that these guys so far have shown that they could be a very good in-season acquisition. Um, another really good in-season, in-season acquisition that, uh, that I liked was um, the Celtics trading for Isaiah Thomas a few years back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a trade deadline thing. Um, so there's not... There's not tons of, uh, you know, big impactful movement. Like generally you don't see a guy like Taylor Hall move, you know, a former MVP. I mean, he was MVP two years ago and, you know, he was a number one overall pick. He was the guy taken right before Sagan. So, I mean, I think that's a good, uh, that's, you know, this year, I mean, it's yet to be seen, but I mean, even, you know, picking up Yager midseason, Got us to the 2013 finals, you know, against Chicago. I mean, Chicago was just a better team that year. Um, but you know, it it was a, a hugely impactful trade. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know trading Nomar and uh, trading uh, you know the uh, the Bruins trade that they made with Wheeler and Ryder and all those guys. Um, I mean, I think the the thing that especially hurt them was not having uh, Savard. I mean, and that's uh, that's still a, a sore subject for a lot of Bruins fans. You but know, he got the, his the name loss on the cup. of yeah, exactly, he did. But you know, the loss of Savard. I mean, no one has worn his number since ninety-one. Yeah, no. And I wouldn't be surprised if they retired it at some point, mm. but it's almost like a, as a as a respect thing right now. Nobody nobody's worn. Nobody's worn ninety one. Yeah. So, uh, if you guys think of uh, anything else that you know, maybe you know for a different team, you know maybe in a, a you know mid season trade in the NFL, which doesn't happen often. Uh, but you know, maybe something in the NFL, or maybe there's a, another team that you follow that you know was a really impactful trade. Maybe it, you know, led to something else. Whether it you know be a championship or a, a playoff berth, or you know, like this kind of got us over the hump, and we were able to attract some free agents in the future. Let us know because uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. I do want to just shout oh. out Miroslav Satan. Yes. Uh, so he was acquired in 2010, uh, the end of the 2009 through 2010 season, and went on to have he scored the winning goal in the best, second overtime, the best best Bruins game we've ever been to. <laughs> yes. Uh, so and obviously he didn't stay a Bruin after that. I believe. He retired. He, yeah, he retired. Um, but it just kind of uh, kind of. It, Acquiring him set them on the path to winning the cup in oh, and he got, 2011. He got that pass from Michael Ryder. Mm-hmm. Ryder set that up. Ugh. Memories. But, uh, yeah, all right. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get into the, the news that uh, we have not been covering for the past couple of weeks. But uh, we're happy to be back, and uh, we are going to be uh, pushing forward. 
and giving you the weekly uh, episodes that we've been lacking. So uh, we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. This is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I'm here to tell you about Slip Sports. All new clients for this online sports book receive $100 in free play just for signing up. From the casual players to the high rollers, everybody can take advantage of this offer and the live betting, online casino, horse racing, and more. Sign up with the Freeman app and send a request to basketballjones at post.com to get started. Tell them the Angry Nerd sent you. In a world swarming with boring, predictable awards shows, what will separate from the rest? Rise above and unite the podcasting realm in a testament to the outstanding achievements of the community. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards. Podcasters, YouTubers, and Twitch streamers, now is your time. Make your voices heard and submit your program by going to amalga-mania.com for all the details, submission categories, and guidelines. The Amalgamania Podcasting and Entertainment Awards, the summer's biggest blockbuster event. You don't want to miss it. At Strong-Willed Sports Memorabilia and more, our mission is to raise as much money and awareness for pediatric cancer research as possible through the giving away of authenticated, autographed sports memorabilia and more. All proceeds from our games will be donated to various pediatric cancer foundations, with the majority going to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the Jimmy Fund. Our mission to give back began when Craig and Kara's son William was diagnosed with a stage 4 Wilms tumor, and his courage to fight and overcome his cancer ultimately led to the start of the hashtag Strong-Willed Movement. For more information on how to donate and support this great cause, please visit the hashtag Strongwilled Sports Memorabilia and More Facebook group. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars, as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. Here's Bergeron on one-timer. Save Romer. Rebound loose on the top of the crease. Rashad score! Bergeron! Bergeron! In game seven! And the Bruins win the series! And we are back. So 
Slashes, we got a lot of uh, NHL stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff has been happening in the NHL. We are pushing towards the playoffs. So it's the last little bit of actual in-season hockey that we're going to see. And a lot of teams are really striving for a playoff spot. Yeah, there's a lot of tight competition, which is what I was hoping we'd see with these uh, with these divisions. Mm. I love it. I mean, the competition is fierce, and I am here for it. So, before uh, we get into that kind of chat, let's kind of rewind a little bit and talk about stuff that has happened. So, the tread day, the haha, wow, we are off to a really good start. The tread the day. trade deadline has come and gone, and it involved uh, 17 trades made on deadline day, which is the fewest since 2013, and involving 26 players, the fewest since 2000. So, obviously, there was some movement before the trade deadline happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there was a decent amount of movement before deadline day. But like a Jeff lot Carter of, to the Penguins, which or, has paid a lot of dividends for them. You know, uh, Stahl yeah, leaving Stahl going, the Sabres and going to play for uh, Montreal. Montreal. Um, so we saw a lot of movement beforehand. Uh, but deadline day, I mean, we did see some, but it wasn't as much in past years. And, you know... Uh, some believe that it has to do, you know, with the pandemic and with everything. You know, some guys were uh, in quarantine, you know. Um, Especially so, in Vancouver. Right. So, I, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of red tape for some of these guys. So, uh, not a lot of action. But there were some really big moves made. And we're going to talk about that as far as the Bruins go momentarily. Jordan Stahl of the Hurricanes played his thousandth NHL game. Milan Lucic, currently of the Flames, of former Bruins, um, played his thousandth NHL game and says waiving the no trade clause on his contract to be traded from Edmonton to Calgary on July 19th, 2019, revived his career. You know, I was always partially surprised that he did not go to uh, Vancouver because that's where he's from. But I'm guessing that there was just too much bad blood from the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs that he didn't want to go back and play there because of, you know, the way that those teams, or way that that team Is it that, that Yeah, that team specifically. Uh, I wouldn't want really to be Really butthurt about certain things. And well, no, it's just the way that they conducted themselves during, the, like, how cheap they were, mm. and, like, biting Bergeron. and oh, like, The vegetarian Alex Burroughs. Yeah, like, the way the Sedins played, like, it's just this weaselly, slimy brand of hockey, and, like, their top guys wouldn't hit, you know, like, the Sedin twins. Like, oh, God, hit, the, why am I, I can picture him in my head, but I can't think of his name, the goalie. Oh, Luongo, Roberto oh, Luongo. Luongo was like, oh, Tim Thomas isn't pumping up my tires. Tim Thomas doesn't say anything nice about me. I don't understand why. It's like, oh, because you're in direct fucking competition, you dipshit. I've said nothing but nice things about him. Why won't he say anything nice about me? Oh, because that's A, not his personality, and B, like, you're in direct competition right? with like, each other. Right, like, you're both fighting for the Stanley Cup right now. Like, you should be thinking about your game, not the fact that the opponent Opposing goalie has not said nice things about you. But anyways, uh, so good for Lucic. They did a nice little kind of like celebratory thing on the Bruins website and stuff for him. Yeah, because he was a huge part of that. Well, I mean, there's there's no bad blood between... 
the Bruins and Lucic. Yeah, like, and then the fans still love him. He wasn't traded. I think he left as a free agent. You know, but uh, anyways, Nicholas Backstrom, currently of the Capitals, played his thousandth NHL game. Zdeno Chara, formerly of the Bruins, currently of the Capitals, played his 1600th NHL game. 1600th. That's what I said. You said 1600. 1600. Well, I mean, 1600th game is, I guess, he played 100 games 16 times. But yeah, he did that too. Because he's 100 years old. He, yeah, yeah. The big news uh, is Patrick Marlowe played his one south one thousand. I should just stop. One thousand seven hundred sixty eighth NHL game passing Gordy Howe, Howe for the most games played in NHL history. So and obviously, every Gordy played till he was fifty. I would say so. Every single game that Patrick Marlowe plays is a new record he's just co- co- constantly beating his own personal record at this point speaking it kind of reminds me of the george carlin thing every day i wake up i beat my own personal record for consecutive days i've stayed alive mm-hmm. uh but speaking of we didn't put it in our notes and i totally forgot about it uh yaramir yager at age 49 just won a championship with the team that he owns over in russia uh and the guy that's on his team is a guy who they could never Agree on how to pronounce his fucking name, and it always drove me nuts. Uh, Thomas Plakanitz or Plakanich or Plakanic. They said it differently every fucking time, every game, every announcer. Didn't matter, but he played for Montreal, uh, and he was playing with a uh, 49-year-old Yarmir Yager. Wow. Who had, Good for uh, him. He did have an assist in the game. He had uh, two goals and an assist in the series where his team had to keep coming back. They were down the whole time, and they ended up tying up the series and then winning it, and uh, Yager had a, uh, an assist. 49 years old, dude is still going. Kind of reminds me of Manny Ramirez, who's still playing baseball. Is he really? Yeah. Like, you know, he was in Japan for a while, and then I forget where he is now, but he's like the similar age. He's like 46, 47, and he's still playing baseball professionally. You know what? You go, go. You you go. Like that's cool. Do your thing. I mean, that might Chara might end up. You know, once he's out of the NHL, maybe he goes to the KHL. Well, no, I was gonna say maybe he starts playing in a Czech league. I mean, that too. You know. So uh, Mark Andre Fleury moved into fourth place on the NHL all-time wins list with his. 485th victory when the Vegas Golden Knights defeated the LA Kings 6 to 2. Uh Flurry and Robin Leonard are number 1 and number 2 in the league in goals against average. So they're going to win that uh that trophy that uh Halak and uh I want to call it the Jennings trophy. I don't know if that's that's the first thing I thought of. I think that's it. Um they uh it's for the tandem with the best goals against average. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're one and two, yeah, you, that tends to be it. So it's him and Robin Leonard. But last year it was uh, uh, Halak and uh, and Rask. So Anthony Stolarz made an NHL career high, 46 saves for the Ducks in a four to nothing win against the Sharks. Ooh, 46 save shutout. That's nasty. Max Pacioretty scored his 300th NHL goal to help the Vegas Golden Knights rally for a 4-2 win over the LA Kings. William Nylander of the Maple Leafs scored his 100th career goal in a 3-2 overtime loss to the Canucks. 
And just to, to throw it out there, because I heard it yesterday on the, on the broadcast, um, uh, the Pasternak is sitting at 199 career goals. So his next will be his 200th. So hopefully we see that in the next day or two. Yeah, they play Jersey tomorrow. So tomorrow we'll and Tuesday, I believe. So we'll see. Because today's uh, Sunday. Joe Thornton of the Maple Leaves, uh, formerly of the Sharks, formerly, formerly of, of the, the Bruins, Bruins, made his 1100th career assist. He is the seventh player in the NHL history to reach this milestone. And this is his first season with uh, with Toronto. He spent the the remainder of his 20 fucking year career with, with the Sharks, the Sharks and Bruins. Yeah. So Ryan Miller of the Ducks, former Vesna Trophy winner and the winningest American-born goaltender in NHL history, has announced his retirement at the end of the season after 18 seasons in the league. He's played for the Sabres, the Blues, the Canucks, and the Ducks, and 390 career victories. And to kind of tie into two things we talked about earlier, Ryan Miller Gave up that goal against uh, Miroslav Satan. Yes. And. When he was with the Sabres. Yes, in 2010. And he had a run-in with Milan Lucic because he came way out of his crease and Lucic fucking leveled him, Mm -hmm. knocking his helmet off. And he took a swipe with his goalie stick trying to to, uh, hit Lucic. You remember that game? Yep. That was nuts. Yeah. Ryan and Ryan Miller uh, was also uh, goalie for Team USA yep. in the Olympics. Yes, he was. Yes, so uh, I believe he's forty currently. So he's just retiring because he wants to spend more time with his family. Yeah, I mean he's he, he wants uh, he uh, hasn't won a cup. He didn't win a cup, but he you know silver medals, couple silver medals, you know Vezina trophy. Like he's done a lot. Yeah, he's going to step away from hockey for a little bit in hopes of maybe getting a, a front-end job or a manager position or a coaching position at yeah. some point. So good luck to him. Andrew Shaw of the Blackhawks, two-time Stanley Cup winner, has announced his retirement at the age of 29 due to injury. He last played on February 9th where he sustained a concussion and was placed on long-term injured reserve on March 5th. He was advised by Blackhawks Black medical staff to end his hockey career because of the potential long-term consequences. Andrew Shaw, uh, he was one of those guys, he was uh, just a rat. He was, uh, we got, we got really, we really got introduced to him in 2013 in the Stanley Cup Finals against, um, against uh, the Bruins. And he was just a a dirty, dirty Mm -hmm. player. Like, he was what Marchand used to be without the offensive talent. And he actually left, uh, I forget if he was traded or if he left as a free agent, but he ended up with for the with the perfect team for him, uh, Montreal, because that, that suited his play style perfectly. Uh, but he ended up coming back to uh, Chicago. And, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, the guy was a hard-nosed I mean, you you hate to see a guy have to retire due to injury. Especially at 29. You know. I mean, he was never my favorite player. I didn't like him, but, you know, you you never wish injury, uh, especially a uh, concussion-type injury that is going to end your career. You know, especially where we were just talking about uh, Mark Savard a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So... 
Yeah, so best of luck to him. And now into current standings. So like we said, the playoffs are coming. It's the last little bit, the last push for playoff contendency. And contention. Uh, contention. You That's just a love word. making up words I'm, today. You know what? It's my own dictionary. Maybe I should make my own dictionary. <laughs> Contendency. The dictionary, according to Slashes. You can learn Ugh, something. Slashes Hockey so, Dictionary. <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights were the first team to officially clinch, clinch a playoff clinch. spot. Stop it. See, now, now I'm not going to be able to talk because you keep all making right. fun of me. So in the West Division, Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota have all clinched. Correct. St. Louis and Arizona, maybe San Jose, although St. Louis has six games, seven games left. Arizona has four. St. Louis is up 53 to 50 as far as points go. Uh, Anaheim in that division at 16, 29, and 7 has been eliminated. Mm-hmm. There are a few eliminated teams. Vancouver still has not been eliminated yet, um, but I don't see them. And in the North, the North Division, only Toronto has clinched a playoff berth at 71 points. Edmonton at 62, Winnipeg 57, Montreal 55, Calgary at 47. Ottawa at 43 has been eliminated, but uh, nobody has more than six games left, uh, seven games left. Edmonton has seven, but everybody else has six. Toronto has five. Vancouver has 11, but I don't, I don't see them catching anybody now in the east the east is very interesting because you have three teams who have clinched Mm -hmm. and that would be pittsburgh washington and the islanders three teams who are eliminated philadelphia new jersey and buffalo who has just the absolute worst record in all of hockey um and two teams that are left now the rangers have four games left the bruins have six so, if the Bruins win tomorrow night, so this is Sunday, they're playing Jersey on Monday. Their magic number is one. Correct. One win or a loss by the Rangers. Yes. Yeah, because they have 66 points, the Rangers have 58. The Bruins would have to lose out and the Rangers would have to win out. So, you know, come Monday night, they win against Jersey. They could clinch a, a, a they spl- will. playoff spot. They will clinch a spot. And then it's just about seeding. Because right now they're they're five points behind Pittsburgh uh, at 71. Washington has 69. New York, has uh, the Islanders have 67. Boston's got 66. So now the last division, the Central... We have Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida, all clinching. Mm-hmm. Detroit and Columbus uh, are eliminated. So that leaves Nashville, Dallas, and Chicago, who have played 52, 51, and 51 games, respectively. Nashville has 58 points. Dallas has 55. Chicago has 50. So Chicago's really the odd man out. I don't see them catching. But Nashville and Dallas... Three points separates the two of them. I mean, and if you're going to beat Nashville, you got to beat them in regulation. They're 28, 22, and two. They only mm-hmm. have two overtime losses, which is uh, tied with Vegas and Edmonton for fewest in the league. So if you're going to beat them, you got to beat them in regulation. Um, it's it's uh, 
this is what I love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that last little bit. It's these uh, these teams that are really just neck and neck fighting tooth and nail for that last playoff spot. Because you're only competing with the teams in your division. You don't have to worry about. Right. You know, you have 58 points, but so so do the Rangers. Doesn't matter. Edmonton's got 62. Doesn't fucking matter. Like Edmonton, you know, theoretically could miss out on the playoffs, even though they have more points than you like it. But it doesn't matter because they're not in your division. Like, I love this division shit. Like, this is so good. Like I said, you know, before, it's creating, you know, some new rivalries while igniting some old rivalries. And we're just seeing, you know, this whole new playoff setup. It's just, it's making for a really exciting year of hockey. I don't expect them to keep it this way, obviously. You know, I think next season we'll be back to you know, the normal divisions, but I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate if it. If they want to realign and, and do this and they want to just make it so like the four divisions, as opposed to, you know, eight in the East, eight in the West. I mean, especially next year where it's going to be evened out because uh, the Kraken, the Kraken has released ma- the Kraken. They made their final payment, so they are now officially going to be a team. It's, yep. it's uh, that just happened a couple days ago, so they are they made their last loan payment or whatever payment they had to do in order to get their franchise fees and and whatnot. So they are officially a thing. I will be getting some Kraken gear, and I will be giving some of that away because. It just looks cool. I'm really excited to see what happens in the post, you know, off season in regards to the Kraken team because it was really the exciting. Expansion draft. It was a, the expansion draft a few years ago for the Vegas Golden Knights was really exciting yeah. to see, you know, they and they got some really good players too. Jonathan right Marchessault scored like fucking forty goals for them. You know, first so year. It, it's it's interesting William to me. William Carlson too, like you know, and some some guys were like, Yeah, you know what, I want to go play for the new team. Yeah, they you know, got some, they some got guys some were like, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna renew my contract. I'm not gonna do Fleury anything with and these guys. Leonard? I'm gonna go. Like they had a great goalie combination yeah, like, from you know? day one. So it's it's Really exciting to see the potential that could happen for the Kraken. Hey, Slashes. Hey, what? What's brewing? <laughs> so a lot has happened with the Bruins since the trade deadline. So as we talk about earlier uh, with our getting into, not getting into character, opening the opening face-off face question, uh, the Bruins acquired forwards Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo in exchange for Anders Bjork and a second-round pick in the 2021 draft. They also acquired defenseman Mike Riley from Ottawa in exchange for a third-round pick in the 2022 draft. So the fact that they didn't have to give up any first-round picks and the fact that they didn't have to give up any, like... I mean, Anders Bjork was, was fine. He was, you know, good, but he wasn't great. He was and a serviceable uh, third-line, third, fourth-line, bottom know, I'm, six I'm forward. Not a, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sad to see him go. He's not a guy that you worry about like shit. Like, if they had traded DeBrusque, DeBrusque has the potential to go out and just be a monster. Look at Riley Smith. He did nothing for the Bruins. I got rid of him. He goes to Vegas, and he's scoring 30 mm-hmm. goals a year, 20, 30 yep. goals a year. Like, that's what I worry DeBrusque could have been. But with Buffalo, they're just like, you know, they. it was a win-win because they kind of cleared up the the – the glut at wing on the bottom six forwards 
mm-hmm. allowing you know Corrali and and um, you know because they also got Lazar, Corrali, Lazar, Coil, um, you know um, I almost said Johansson but he's gone, um, you know DeBrusque, you know all the uh, Nick Ritchie, all these guys give them more playing time in different position in different situations. Mm-hmm. Bjork is getting a shit ton of playing time. Oh yeah. He is out on the ice constantly. He's looked good. He's also looked really frustrated because the Bruins have played the Sabres quite a bit over the last week yes. and a half. Yes. Um so we've seen a lot of them. Uh and that's what I like about hockey is like this team is eliminated. They have nothing to play for, but they can knock other teams out they can change seedings like as it stands right now it's boston pittsburgh first round mm-hmm. which i think the bruins can take you know i want to see oh yeah you get under the under the skin of sid the kid oh yeah he's done so yeah he's done. he's done yeah he's he's a front-running prima donna um but yeah the uh I just I want to talk about the uh, the Taylor Hall. Yeah, let's talk more about Taylor acquisition Hall. first, because we went to bed on Sunday, Sunday night before Monday, trade deadline day, and obviously you know the Bruins and Taylor Hall like the 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 it was continually brought up. They were definitely in the ring. Uh, they kept talking about uh, how Bobby Orr was his agent, even though Bobby Orr is not his agent anymore. But, you know, they were talking about, you know, like, oh, you know, ta- you know Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is interested in coming to Boston. He has a, a no-trade clause on his contract, but he's willing to, to waive it for specific teams and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, But this isn't the first time we've heard this. We've heard the Bruins talk a big talk towards, you know, trade deadline, and nothing happens. Or they get they get minor peanuts. pieces, right? They they don't get these players, and and so you know we went to bed Sunday night frustrated because it's like you know what it would be so great. And I think we we talked about that on the show. It would be so great if the Bruins got Taylor Hall. I want the Bruins to get Taylor Hall. They you have been team. Story. You have been team Taylor Hall like all year. Even but last year, I wanted them to or in the offseason. Like I you, wanted you him. have been team Taylor Hall for a while. Like you know, you you were like the the he would be a great. Uh, addition to this team you know especially right now under Bergeron's captaincy and everything you know like so so we went to bed Sunday night and we were bummed we're like you know what this isn't gonna happen we're just gonna go to sleep we we'll see what happens else like better. everyone else is gonna like oh that team got that person that team got that person we got nothing okay cool wake up Monday morning scrolling on Facebook and all of a sudden what pops up Bruins acquire Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. And I was just like, second round pick and Anders Bjork. What? Like he, Patrick was still sleeping. So I I tried to like keep my excitement to myself until you woke up. And as soon as, as soon as I saw you waking up, I was like, we got Taylor Hall. Like it was so exciting. And you know, uh, the very next day he was in a Bruins uniform. We are in number 71. You know, uh, he didn't look too, too hot, but, you know, you can't, I don't blame him for that. You got to give, you got to give him a day to practice. I mean, well, not only that, you know, uh, he 
had to leave his old team. He had to leave his family behind. He had to to travel. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you know, it's not Buffalo that far from Boston Buffalo to Boston. Uh, but still, you know, there's travel time. There's, you know, you have to meet and greet with the, the new coaches and the new team. There, it's, it's a lot. It's probably a lot on your mental state to uh, be traded and then be expected to perform 24 to 36 hours later. But, oh, my God, I was so... So excited, so happy. And then that second game, so the first game, you know, not not too, too much, but that second game. And then from then on, uh, he's just been fire. Between him and, again. The chemistry that he has with Krejci. They look like they were, the game that they had a couple of of days ago, a couple of games ago. They were passing the puck back and forth, no look like they've been playing together for a decade. And it's amazing. This is exactly what Taylor Hall wanted. He didn't want to be the star. He didn't want the pressure of having to carry an entire team on his back anymore. See, he he came in with Edmonton. I don't think he was expected to be the star because they had so many fucking guys there already. They had, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They had. Uh, uh, Jordan Eberle, they had all these guys that were like high top three draft picks over and over because Edmonton, no matter what they did, they were always fucking terrible. Uh, I mean, not now, now that they have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, but they kept uh, they kept losing all the time. And even a guy like Andy Ference, who left the Bruins as a free agent and became the captain of that team, mm-hmm. he was not happy with what uh with what taylor hall uh his behavior and like that began to be a bit of a reputation for him like instead of working out he'd be out till four in the morning drinking and partying you know and i get it like you're a young kid you are you know it's your team's going nowhere you know, like there's really no discipline out there. You're able to do whatever you want. I'm the first round pick. I'm the number one overall pick. I can do whatever I want. Uh, and they didn't really ever hold him to account. So he ended up getting traded uh, after a few years to New Jersey. And he was good in New Jersey for that one year. He came out. He scored, you know, 39 goals. uh they uh, they went on a playoff run, or I mean, a, they a playoff push, and the only reason they did was because of how out of his mind Taylor Hall played. But it just the following year, it just it wasn't working again. So he got moved for a second time to Phoenix, and he finally tasted the playoffs. Granted, last year was the expanded playoffs, but he has always been, like you said, he's been expected to be the guy like you're the number one overall pick you have all this talent you have all this skill you're the former mvp you need to carry the team and he wasn't ready for that he never has been he just kind of melted underneath that pressure and i mean and that is a lot that is you know not every guy is made to be a superstar not every guy is made to you know carry a team like that name one guy in the nhl who carries his team like you know, Crosby has had Malkin his whole fucking career. Mm-hmm. He's had Latang. He's had, uh, you know, all these different, you know, rotating guys that are, are very high-end uh, offensive talent. You know, so 
he hasn't had to rely on it. You know, Sagan didn't have to because Sagan had, you know, the, the collection of talent that the that was with the Bruins. Um, you know, none of these guys has had to carry their team on their own, but they were expecting Taylor Hall to do that. And they were expecting almost like miracles from him. And he's just not that guy. And he kind of crumbled underneath the pressure. So he was excited to come to Boston because Boston's not looking for the guy. You know, they have plenty of guys to be the guy. They are the team. Like, you're and, not even going to be, like, the fifth best guy on the right, team. Right. Well, well, and that's the thing. You know, he just wanted to – he's like, I want to play for Boston because I want to be part of a team and I want to play hockey. And and that's what Coach Cassidy said. Like He's like, you know what? We just, you know, I told Taylor Hall, I don't, you know, there's going to be, you know, I just want him to play hockey. We don't I need just want you. To... We don't need you to score fifty goals. Right. He's like, you know, what? I just want him to, you know, focus on being a teammate and playing as a team. Yeah, he's able. He was able and... to relax. And when you can relax, and you're not putting this pressure, you're not squeezing and your you sticks. You know what I'm seeing. I am seeing some enjoyment He's on his face. He's having fun. And, you know, just like uh, we said earlier with uh, Lucic going to, what was it? Calgary. F- yeah, going to the Flames. Um, you know, kind of re- reignited, reinvigorated his career. I think this is going to be a reinvigoration for Taylor Hall. I think this is the rebirth of Taylor Hall as a Bruin. I think he Bruin. stays next year, too. And I, I think, think he I, signs a six-year deal. You know, I, I think that uh, he's fitting in really well with these guys. He's older. You know, he's in he's his 20, 30s. He's 29. I thought he was in He's his 29. But still, I mean, he's older. He's not this young kid anymore who's like, I'm number one. But he's he's a 10-year, 11-year veteran. You know, he just wants to play the game. And he wants to, you know, and he's been playing really well. They have a shot at a Stanley Cup this yeah, year. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, again, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, a lot of folks coming into the season were like, you know, this is kind of like the ideal situation for the Bruins. A short season, because they've got a lot of guys that are getting up there, like Bergeron's 35, Krejci's 36, Tuka's 35, 36, somewhere in there. Marchand's uh, in his early 30s. And you've got some young guys sprinkled throughout, you know, Coyle and Pasternak and, and guys like that. Then you add in this kid who, again, if I'm ranking, like, guys that we can't lose... Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, McAvoy. I'm throwing Krejci back in there. Now, yes, Krejci, because Krejci was playing like trash. Him, they had between well, the two of them, they had like Krejci two goals. Krejci and Hall were having very similar. Yeah, they uh, had two seasons. goals combined coming into that game. You know. And, and into the trade deadline. I think that... Uh, Since then, Krejci's got like six goals and eight assists, some shit like that. Yeah, and and Hall uh, was averaging a point a game. That goal that Krejci scored the other day at the end of the first period with .3 seconds left, mm-hmm. where he took the pass and he fucking one-timed it like... He was 19 years old. There was no time left on the clock. He just fucking rocketed that shot. Because Krejci is this guy, and we've seen him do this, and we've talked about it on this show. He is a guy who, during the regular season, he might disappear on you for stretches. But once the playoffs come around, fucking playoff Krejci Mm. is unbelievable. 
unstoppable. Something and we just are ignites. Seeing, yeah, something just ignites in him. This team wants it. Yeah, this team right wants the playoffs so bad. And since they brought, uh, since they brought up Jeremy Swayman, and since they got Taylor Hall, they have beaten the Islanders twice. They beat the Islanders twice. Twice back to back, including so, yeah, a so shutout. Saying, so not only is Tukarask back in the lineup, he's been looking pretty good, playing really well. But they finally beat the Islanders. Oh my god! If they had gone all fucking season without beating the Islanders, I was gonna cry. They couldn't. They wouldn't make the playoffs. If and then that's only. I would cry because murdering someone is illegal. So, we have Bergeron scoring the twenty-one thousandth goal in Bruins history, yep. and that was in a six uh, six three victory over the Capitals, where Swayman played because yep. they threw Swayman into the fire like his second or third start. They threw him right in the fire against the Capitals in the midst of the Capitals and the Bruins just having this hatred for each other. And in that same game, Brad Marchand had two goals and two assists and becomes the ninth player in franchise history to reach 700 career points. Yep. Uh, and speaking of David Krejci, he just did that back in March. Yep, he just got his 700th point. Tuca made 32 saves against the Sabres for his first shutout. They've won eight of their last ten. And the only two that they lost, they got killed by the Sabres, uh, which is going to happen. I mean, yeah, regardless if they're the, the worst team or not, you're going to slip up. You're going to have a game you know, where you're not at your best and the other team wants it more. And so they lost the, to them. They lost to, I think, Pittsburgh back to back. But they had four. They won. F- uh, and that was another fun stat because uh, they had won six in a row coming into that. And. In Taylor Hall's career, he had only seen one five-game winning streak. In wow. that in that same time, they they threw up the side-by-side comparison. Bergeron had had nine, nine times of at least five games. Wow! Like, so like it's a huge culture change. Like he had played for these three franchises, and like all of a sudden now. But five mean, game winning know, streak is is like oh yeah that's nice you know five game winning streak. But I mean like again it's just it's team chemistry, you know you, he's just clearly he's playing with the right guys. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. Um, so Craig Smith got his second career hat trick yesterday, yep. uh, his first hat trick in a Bruins uniform. Uh, yeah, during yesterday's matinee against the Sabers. His first goal was assisted by Krejci and Hall. He's been playing that left wing, or the 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 right wing, um, with with uh, with Krejci and Hall, because again they've been bouncing guys back and forth. But we knew Hall was going to play with Krejci because he's not going up on the top line. Because um, that top line is just humming. Um, where you know we we figured he was going to end up with Krejci, but we didn't know who else was going to be on. Was it going to be Richie? Was it going to be Coyle? Was it going to be Corrali? Was it going to be Craig Smith? And that's what's great about this line is you can have like I remember they had the eleven, twelve, thirteen line earlier mm-hmm. this year where it was Frederick Smith 
and uh, and Coil. I'm still Team Trent Frederick. He BT finally dubs. came back. He's back. He's looking pretty good. We should have uh, Brandon Carlo back. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow against uh, the Devils. He hasn't played in a while. He played, well, I think, one game after that fucking cheap shot by Tom Wilson. Yeah, and he just wasn't. Uh, he wasn't there yet, so he needed some more time. But I'm telling you, this this defense, this defensive core. Again, I'm. I missed. I, I hated the fact that Chara went to another team. But without it, like uh, Jeremy Lozon, third in the league mm-hmm. in short time, shorthanded time on ice. So he leads the team. If Chara was still on this team, these younger defensemen would not be getting as much ice time. They'd be 10 points lower than the way. And seeing these younger guys, you know, the, these up and coming defensemen play and contribute and play well, you know, like that's the that's the future of your team right there. McAvoy then, is a Norris contender this you year. You know, uh, and then add Mike Riley to the mix. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, you have, and and Cassidy's not afraid to switch these guys up and move and you know different pairing. But mm-hmm. Grizzlick's been playing really well. Uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Miller's been playing well. Then you have, uh, you know, obviously Connor Clifton. McAvoy, Riley, like you can throw any of the, and they haven't had, they haven't had, you know, Carlo, who's arguably one of their better defensemen, you know, and you throw, so now you have, you know, pair, you know, you need offense, McAvoy and, 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 uh, and Riley, you need defense, McAvoy and Carlo, you need, you know, like there's so many different combinations you can put together. You know, it's it's oh, it's excellent. I love the fact that these guys are there and these guys are playing out of their goddamn minds. Speaking of which, speaking of defense, uh, the Bruins have three goalies with shutouts this year. Obviously, Tuca, obviously Halak, and Jeremy Swayman have mm-hmm. all pitched a shutout, uh, and this is the first time since 2008 and I did I found this out a couple weeks ago, but I did some research and found out that it was Tim Thomas. And Manny Fernandez, Tuka Rask played one game in 2008, and it was a was fucking a shutout. shutout. Wow. 35 save shutout, one wow. game. So the biggest question now is, what are we going to see in the playoffs? Do we bring Halak back? Nope. I hope not. I hope it is Rask and Jeremy Swayman. Swayman. Uh, Swayman. <laughs> And I, Schwayman wants this so much. Not only that, uh, Mike Felger on the Sports Hub made a great point about him. He's too young and too dumb to understand the the the, the, the gravity, the of, gravity everything. of everything. He's just out there playing, having a good well, time. Well, and that's the thing. Like you know, in all of these uh, like post game interviews that he does, uh, you know, everyone's asking like all of these questions that get, you know, some interesting answers from some of the more veteran players. But he's just like, I'm just having fun. I like it when we win. And here's you the know? here's the <laughs> other thing. thing. You know, they're they're hoping for like some insight as to, you know, like, oh, how are you so good? What goes through your head when you're playing? You know, like like, you know, is there is there any like mathematical equation that you think of or, you know, is there anything that you do when he's just like, I just like playing hockey. I like winning games so and that's he, what i do and it's not unusual to see a rookie step in and lead his team i mean jordan fucking bennington anyone mm-hmm. uh but that's uh that's what we have for hockey i'm sure 
after next week, when, uh, I think by the time we record again uh, later this week, Thursday, the playoff seedings should be almost set. I'm hoping we'll be able to confirm a Bruins playoff. I'm sure we will spot but yeah this is this is the playoff hockey for me is the most exciting time of the year but this time leading up to the playoffs where where teams are just hungry for that jockeying for position this is where you see some of the best hockey being played so it's it's such an exciting time i love it so much all right so now we get to move on to Baseball and the Red Sox are absolutely crushing the so, ball. They did lose today. They're at 17 and 12. So I feel like I owe the Red Sox an apology. I mean, not that it really matters to them. I'm sure that they've been up late at night, unable to sleep, thinking, oh, Slash is the ice queen on the loudest sports show, said some really mean things to us. Um, I didn't think they had it in them. I really didn't. At the beginning of the the se- you know, in the, in the off season leading up to um, – you know, preseason and everything else. Like I, 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 I didn't have any faith in this team. I did not think that they were going to be the team that they are this year. And they're playing some really good Red Sox baseball. They are uh, at the top of the American League in pretty much every offensive category. They are. Uh, I said they were seventeen and eleven, uh, but they lost since I typed that. Uh, they are 17 and 12 now. Uh, they lost uh, to the Rangers earlier, trailing only the 17 and 10 Brewers for best record in all of baseball. Uh, Nathan Evaldi and uh, Eddie Rodriguez are looking really good. So is Garrett Whitlock. Uh, Garrett Richardson can go fuck himself because of the excuses he makes every single goddamn time he comes out and loses a game. Uh, the grass got in my eyes. The sun was in my. I was gonna eyes. say I think the only. Uh kind of like fallback to the Red Sox right now is the talent in their bullpen. No, the the bullpen isn't... (sighs) It's not terrible, but it could be a lot better. It could be a lot better. Yeah, the bullpen is not their strength, absolutely. But Garrett, Garrett Richardson is really irritating the shit out of me because of every time he goes out and pitches a bad game, like guys are knocking the ball all over the goddamn field, hitting it out of the park, and he's like, well, I made some good pitches, but, you know, guys didn't catch, and, you know, my shoes were a little tight, and it's like, no, take take responsibility. Does he for... have a dog named Astro, too? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but they can't do anything with him because they paid him $10 million, so I don't know what the fuck that's they're going to do. That's so stupid. But, you know, that's... That's Chaim Bloom, so, I mean, whatever. He, some of his other stuff has, has worked out. Garrett Whitlock, that's worked out really well. Uh, so And, you know, J.D. Martinez is fucking crushing the ball, so I'm, I'm happy with that. And uh, Devers is starting to hit the ball hard. Uh, Bogarts has finally found his power stroke the last few games, so I'm, I'm good with the, with the offense. Uh, earlier today... The Cubs and Reds combined for 10 home runs in the Reds' 13-12 victory, which was sealed by Nick Castellano's walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th after he had homered twice himself. Wow. The Cubs' Chris Bryant also went yard twice. So that was pretty awesome. So that's what we have for uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, Also, the Yankees are sucking, and it's awesome, and I love it. Uh, On to the NBA. LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, formerly of the Nets, 
has abruptly retired because he has a heart issue. So that's a huge blow to the Nets' playoff hopes uh, because Aldridge is one of those like glue guys who not only could get you, you know, 30 and 20 on a good night, but uh, he's also just one of those guys that, you know, they were going to really lean on to uh, to guard Giannis, and they could have used him today because Giannis blew up for 40, and uh, the Bucks beat the Nets by three. I think it was like 126-123. Um, at the Hall of Fame induction uh, later this summer, Michael Jordan will be presenting Kobe Bryant, which I, I think, think that's very fitting. I think that works really well. Uh, uh, Stephen Curry just passed Wilt uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain as the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. Remember back then he w- they were the Philadelphia Warriors. Um, he does want Clay Thompson's record of 14 threes in a game, which I think he could do because it was his record that was that Clay broke. So, uh, Jamal Murray of the uh, Utah Jazz tore his ACL, and while the Jazz currently have the best record in the NBA, I'm sorry, no, Jamal Murray plays for the Nuggets. Um, I don't think the Nuggets, um, without Jamal Murray, I don't see them doing much in the playoffs, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum went off, scoring sixty in overtime in a thirty-two point comeback against the Spurs. Celtics won by three in overtime, one twenty-three, one twenty. Um, Luka Doncic goes for thirty-one, twelve, and twenty. So only Oscar Robertson, Robertson, Magic Johnson, and Russell Westbrook have put up that kind of triple double with thirty points and twenty rebounds. Uh, how about the team that I picked to be the most surprising in our NBA preview? The uh, Phoenix Suns, currently one game or half a game, no one game behind uh, Utah. Utah is at forty six and eighteen with a seven nineteen winning percentage. Phoenix forty five and eighteen with a seven fourteen winning percentage. Uh, that's good for second best record in the NBA after being the team that, despite going eight and zero in the bubble, lost uh, and went home and did not make the. Uh, the play-in round of the playoffs. But right now, both teams have clinched the playoffs, and in the East, it's Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. They've all clinched. Milwaukee clinched the the Central Division, and because uh, Brooklyn and Philadelphia are in the same division, they're separated by a game right now. They're kind of going back and forth. Boston is currently sixth uh, in the East. So if the playoffs were to start now, they'd be playing Milwaukee, and I don't know if they could beat them. Probably not. Uh, there are a few eliminated teams in the uh, NBA because, you know, there's only 72 games in this season and we're in the mid-60s at this point. So teams have less than 10 games to go, depending on where they are as far as, like, their COVID protocols and what games they have to make up and, and whatnot. Uh, Orlando at 20-44, and 44, Detroit at 19-45, and 45, both uh, eliminated in the East. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, 21-43, and 43, who uh, just set a record. Largest home loss in NBA history. They lost 152-95, to 95, lost by 57 points at home to uh, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Timberwolves, 20-45. and 45, And Houston, 16-48. and 48. Hello, number one overall pick. Uh, so right now, my MVP watch, you know, you guys know how I feel about guys on super teams. 
But I'm going right now, my three MVPs in order. Chris Paul of the Suns, because Chris Paul is the main reason I picked the Suns to make the playoffs this year and the main reason I said they were going to be one of the most improved teams. Uh, and, again, they're battling Utah for the best record in the NBA. Number two, Steph Curry, who has really single-handedly carried uh, the Golden State Warriors to, I think, the sixth seed at this point. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, because, you know, in a, in, a, in a division or in a conference where a lot of teams have really loaded up, like, they're still battling and beating the Nets, so... I will say, though, so I don't usually follow basketball, but playoff basketball is a lot of fun to watch. So I'm looking oh, yeah. forward to that. See, I the only thing like I felt kind of spoiled last year because of the whole like the two separate bubbles with the NBA and the NHL where like games would start at like noon. And mm-hmm. since I worked from home, I could just sit here and like do my work, have the TV on and just watch hockey and basketball playoffs for fucking 12 hours. Oh, it was glorious. Uh, probably not going to happen this year, but I mean, who knows? Uh, who knows what we're going to be, uh, what we're going to be doing. Uh, finally, NFL. Uh, we just had the draft a couple of days ago. The draft is complete now, all seven rounds. Uh, and this is something that you pointed out to me uh, about Najee Harris Yeah, so Najee Harris decided to forego a traditional draft party and instead opting to go to the homeless shelter where he and his family had spent many years. And he had it catered and all of the proceeds that, you know, he went to the homeless shelter, he fed people. That's where he opted to have his draft party. Yeah, he wanted to give back to the place that had given so much to him and, you know, really give back to the community. And... I think that's awesome. Uh, he was drafted by the Steelers in the second round. It's always nice to see, you know, I mean, there's still young kids being drafted, you know. He's like out 22, of, 21. Say, you know, yeah, there are these young kids being drafted, you know, out of, out of college and stuff. And it's nice to see that they remember where they came from. He's 23, March 9th, 1998. Yeah, he was drafted. Uh, oh, he was drafted in the first round. My you know, mistake. And that's like the first thing that he thought of. You know, I'm I'm up for you know uh, the NHL, not NHL, NFL draft. Like I wanna I wanna do something to give back to my community and to honor this place that you know helped helped raise him. Yeah, I mean that's where you know he and his family, his mom, his siblings, uh, his dad. Like they had spent many, many, many years uh, from the the article I read, from what I understand, um, they'd spent a lot of time there. And so this was his way of instead of having like a big lavish party at like, you know, a, a hotel or whatever, going back, feeding people, clothing people, like doing something good for the community. Like mm-hmm. if this this is the type of NFL story I want to fucking hear about. Um, the Raiders uh, took a like three or four safeties, which they need secondary help. Uh, but they also took uh, an offensive lineman that probably they probably could have gotten in the second round. But, 
you know, let's let's see what happens. Uh, the Patriots stayed at number 15. They didn't trade up or down. I thought they were going to trade back and just take a long snapper from Rutgers in the fourth round. Uh, but they stayed at 15 and got Mac Jones, who seems to be allergic to shirts unless he's wearing a racist Obama costume. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, most of the pictures I've seen of him um, doesn't seem to wear a shirt much. Shirtless so. with a cigar because, you know, smoking, that's definitely good for professional athletes. Mm. And then come to find out, so shortly after uh, it was announced that he was drafted by the Patriots, I want to say within 24 hours, all of these tweets arose of, of him looking and sounding a little bit racist. And by a little bit, uh, a yeah, lot. I mean bit. a lot, yeah. 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 So good job, Patriots. Well, it doesn't matter because, you know. Bill's a genius like that. Do you know how many t how many people I saw online? Oh, my God. He just stayed exactly where he wanted, and he got the guy that he wanted. Oh, yeah. Bill's so genius. And Bill, we trust. It's like, I'm not convinced Mac Jones is, is that good. I'm not convinced that, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. Listening to the radio, and, you know, we, we, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, um, when it was Justin Fields' turn, because the Bears ended up trading up to take Justin Fields, a lot of the stuff like, oh, he's not that good of a leader. You know, he doesn't know how to read defenses. You know, he's more of a dual threat. You know, all the, the same shit you always hear about black quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But nobody said anything about Mac Jones being a fucking racist. Nobody said anything about that. You know, Justin Fields, well, you know, you know, he only played that one game and, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't that good. And, you know, he has trouble reading defenses, but he's athletic. And, you know, uh, you know, it's like, it's, you know what? I don't want to hear. I don't know. It wasn't him that played the one game. I think it was Trey Lance. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see what happens with Mac Jones. I mean, I don't know. He could be good. He could be Jared Stidham 2.0. But right now, it looks like the, the Patriots' depth charts, because they, they asked him, Cam's our quarterback. That's what Bill said. Cam's our quarterback. Yep. Yeah, because you want a guy that looks like he's hucking paint cans around on the field. Well, I mean, and there was uh, some some rumors going around saying that they were going to go after Garoppolo again. Yeah, except they're... Uh... Except, and, and now with this, you know, taking... A, a quarterback in the draft they're almost certain that that's not going to happen anymore well they could have but here's the thing quarterbacks uh got taken by the top three teams so the first three draft picks jaguars took trevor lawrence everybody knew about that and our buddy uh, anthony t of anthony t's horror show made a great post on facebook it's like why are the jaguars running out the clock when everyone fucking knows that they're going to take trevor lawrence including trevor lawrence why are they letting the draft <laughs> clock run down like why why let the draft clock run down why isn't it the jaguars aren't on the, are on the clock and the pick is in as trevor lawrence Ooh, nobody's fucking surprised now move on the jets have taken uh they took zach wilson who is regarded as the second best uh prospect um not surprising especially considering they just traded uh what's his face away sam darnold mm -hmm. the panthers were thinking about taking a quarterback but instead exercised sam darnold's fifth year uh option which goes to show you 
because uh, Mac Jones was still on the board at that point. So was Justin Fields. And they were like, we believe more in two years of Sam Darnold for this year and the fifth year of next year that'll pay him $18.8 million according to his uh, his rookie scale deal. We believe more in them, in him, than in any of these other quarterbacks in the draft. Well, the Bears traded up to get Justin Fields, and hopefully this works out for them. I think Fields is going to be good, and I think Fields could be good with the right team. He's got some you know, decent players around him in, uh, in Chicago. I think the Bears felt more pressure to do this because they traded up a couple of years ago to get fucking Mitchell Trubisky passing on Mahomes and Watson. Mm. So, and... Uh, Trubisky right now is uh, backing up uh, uh, Dak Prescott in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So um, the Cowboys did make a good trade. They traded up to get uh, inside linebacker Micah Parsons, who is another player that was linked to the Patriots. Uh, uh, Patrick Sertan Jr. was taken by the uh, by the uh, the Broncos, and I remember watching his dad play. Uh, he played left corner or right corner. Uh, it was him and um, fuck. Now I'm gonna forget the other guy's name. Sam Madison uh, for the Dolphins, one of the best uh, corner tandems in the league for many years. Those two guys were awesome together. Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan, one on each side. They were both very good cornerbacks and. Uh, We'll see what happens with uh, with the young ones, but that's how you know you're getting old, as you start seeing the kids of the guys that you grew up watching. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christian McCaffrey. I watched mm-hmm. his dad play with John Elway for years, and now I'm watching Christian McCaffrey play. That's how you know you're getting old. Fernando Tatis Jr. I mean, just watch, watch the goddamn Blue Jays. They have Craig Biggio's kid. They have Vlad Guerrero's kid. They have Dante Bichette's kid. Like, all these guys I watched. Like, oh, yeah, I remember watching Vlad Guerrero. That guy was awesome. Oh, that's Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Fuck, I'm old. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's about what we have for now. I know we, uh, we tried to cram a lot of, uh, like, three out of four weeks we didn't do a show because uh, I hadn't been feeling well. And, you know, we tried to cram a lot of stuff in. But um, we'll be back this Friday with uh, some more stuff. Obviously, we'll know more about uh, any potential NFL trades. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the NHL and NBA playoff pictures will be a lot clearer. Uh, even if it's not the seedings, it'll at least be the teams that are getting in. And... Uh, you know, we do have some guests lined up for the next couple of weeks, or within the next few weeks, we're going to have some guests on. Um, but if you have a hot take, a prediction, or disagree with something we said, please let us know at the loudest sports show at gmail.com. Follow us on social media on Twitter at loudest underscore show, Instagram at the loudest sports show. And uh, Slashes, you got anything else to say to the folks at home? Until next time, kids. Try to stay out of the penalty box. All right. So, peace out. We out of here. Good night. Good night. I love you. Peace out. I'm out of here. <laughs>